Hey everyone, this is Krish and hope you're doing well. Welcome to Snowpal's podcast. In this podcast, I want to talk about uh, databases a little bit uh, and denormalization. But before we go into the podcast, I want to ask you if you've uh, checked out snowpal.com. If you've not, uh, you should definitely consider doing so because it's a, a beautiful SaaS platform that lets you manage all of your work uh in all aspects of life essentially whether in the workplace or at home it gives you a way to being organized and staying organized um so certainly check us out snowpal.com thank you having said that let's get into this podcast in this podcast i want to like i mentioned earlier i want to talk about uh, databases and and denormalization to some extent right and uh, to take this specific problem let's say you're designing a database uh again it uh, it doesn't matter if it's a nosql database or if it's a traditional rdbms database so it could be oracle or mysql or postgres or mongo or a dynamo db or, or one of those things what we i'm going to talk about here is reasonably generic and where it is not i'll try to remember and call out for it uh what is denormalization uh, i don't want to go into the database uh, fundamentals or specifics but what is one way to look at denormalization as somebody who is not spending 8 hours a day on databases but also does database work right so when you uh, store your data in uh, a persistence layer uh, you're thinking about many different things but two important things that you think about is how fast can i store this data and how fast can i get this data out and the priority uh, changes for each of these because in some cases you want your inserts and updates and deletes to happen pretty quickly and in other cases you're all right if that takes a little bit of time but you're more interested in how fast you're able to do, to do data retrieval and let's take a simple example if you have a an OLTP an online transaction processing system uh where the user is actively interacting and is engaged uh, in your with your application in that case uh you want to make sure that you store data quickly and you also want to make sure you retrieve data quickly right so there is not so much of uh, not that much of a compromise here uh but even the, given the fact that each of these is just as important as the other uh there's always a difference meaning uh, you're all right for one of them to be 10 20 50 milliseconds slower than the other uh and it depends on the page your app your platform and the particular problem you're trying to solve uh but you would most likely know the answer you should most likely know the answer to this question as to hey do I want these inserts to happen right away or can i can they take an extra 20 milliseconds because my retrieves uh, the retrieval should happen faster and these are important decisions and they are not uh, it's it's not so much that you make a decision at once and you have to stick to it uh, for every operation that's this is not one of those things so in that sense you're all right you might uh, make these decisions uh, you know it might be uh, evolving and you might make them differently in each of these different scenarios right but there are other cases where your inserts can take uh, your writes can take quite a bit of time relatively right if you're doing um, etl work and things of that nature that happen outside the scope of any oltp system then maybe the writes can take those 10 20 50 100 milliseconds or maybe even minutes longer depending on the length of your operation right so it's it's not going to hurt anyone adversely uh for the most part uh you may want retrieval to be quicker because the that oltp system might uh, sorry uh the data warehousing system again i'm using these words loosely 
uh, could store large amounts of data uh, at different points of time during the day or at the end of every day. Uh, but then when you go to the web app, whether it's a web app or a mobile app or whatever it is, or an API layer that needs to get the data as quickly as possible. So your reads have to be really fast, but your writes can't, uh, can take the additional amount of time, right? Then you determine how your, index, uh, how your indexing should be. Because you know, there is a give and take. The more index indices you have, uh, it's gonna help your uh, retrieval, but not so much your writes. But in this case, if your writes can take a little bit longer, then that's the way to go. But that doesn't mean you have, uh, uh, you know, you just go overboard with the number of indices because it's gonna have other repercussions. Now I've, I, I said I wanna talk about denormalization, but I think I'm probably like five minutes almost into this podcast and I have <laughs> not, have not gotten into it, um, but that's, uh, it happens. Uh, just given the way uh, I think and I talk in, in podcasts and outside of those as well. Uh, but back to the topic, that the denormalization is uh, is pretty, uh, it's very contextual. Whatever we've discussed so far, it's not exactly uh, denormalization, obviously, but denormalization plays uh, well with, uh, you know, with certain decisions you've made in, in this context. So what is denormalization in the context of an app developer who's also using a database for doing whatever it is that they're doing? How many different places do have the same piece of information? That's a, a layman's way of looking at a denormalization. Because sometimes if I have the data in one place, which is how you generally want for it to be, so it's not redundant and you don't have bugs because of that redundancy, uh, it's great, but there might be times where you have to go uh, to multiple collections or documents or whatever or tables if you do using RDBMS to get the answer or answers to a certain set of questions. That might be okay in some cases and not so much in other cases. Um, so then if, if, it's take, if it takes you a little bit longer to get to what you're looking for from a retrieval standpoint, then you tend to think of denormalization. But denormalization is not a silver bullet and it's certainly not the first uh, solution to the problem either, right? There is probably other fish we need to fry before we uh, uh, consider denormalization as a potential solution because that's certainly not even one of the top three solutions in my mind. How can you keep your data normalized, uh, meaning don't repeat it, don't copy, don't duplicate it? And uh, I'm not talking about like this void normal forms and things I don't even remember from like years ago, uh, but I'm just saying a good, well-designed database, even without knowing the database terminologies where you don't store things more than once, you don't store things that you can compute at runtime, you know, you only store things that are unique and that should really be stored in a database. You determine whether binaries should be in this place or whether binaries should be stored outside, whether it's a blob or a club or, or whatever, right? All those types of things. You Let's say you're a great database person, you got all of those right and you, and you want to determine whether you want to do normalization in this scenario. But before you get to doing that, you want to, uh, one of the things you want to ask yourselves is, uh, how fast can I get data out without denormalizing, meaning can I do it quite differently? For instance, if your query is taking, if your API is taking longer to fetch something, uh, obviously you don't start denormalizing at that point. You try to find out why your API is taking long, a long time. Is it because of something outside of your database? Is it because of some third-party integration where your network latency is playing a role? Maybe that's the case, then none of this is a problem from a database standpoint. Let's skip over all those things and say, you've done all your due diligence and now you're certain it's database. It's the database and the inter interaction with the database that's causing the performance issues or the scalability problems and you need to optimize there. Even then, 
you now need to figure out how can I do this better. So if you take Oracle for instance and if you're writing queries, let's say you're writing queries through a Hibernate JDBC layer uh, or if you're interacting, you're using Node or Mongoose or Mongoid and uh, or Ruby or one of those, you know, all that I'm trying to say is uh, the stack or the database or the middleware DRM or the ORM layers don't matter. Uh, well, not, not entirely so at least. Uh, you determine that it's taking time. Now you need to figure out what's taking time, right? And by what I mean is, uh, is the API, is it taking time because you're running uh, the underlying, uh, the intermediary layer, whether it's Hibernate or Mongoid or Mongoose, do they end up running n number of queries for making that retrieval? Because you're dealing with the objects and it's all very cool from an object consumption standpoint as, as, a, as somebody who's building the middleware layer or the UI pages, but that also means that those objects uh, uh, took a lot of time to uh, to be constructed, right? To be deserialized or or unmarshaled. Uh, that's expensive. So in that case, you might say, okay, I'm going to skip the middleware layer uh, in certain scenarios, and I'm going to go directly to the DB by writing uh, native SQL. Uh, if it's RDBMS or if it's it's not RDBMS, if it's no SQL, you're skipping the middleware layer and you're writing, you know, uh, you're querying the data uh, the NoSQL database directly, whether it's Mongoid or Amazon DB or whatever uh, your NoSQL database is. So I know I've, there's a lot more I want to talk about in this uh, as a follow-up to this. We've just we've barely scratched the surface, but I'm close to the 10 minutes and I do want to try as much as possible to stick to that window. So I'm going to end this podcast here and pick this up in the next one. Thank you.